0: very often when we go on stage, we try to compare ourselves to others, whether it's stage or not stage, when we're in the limelight, whichever metaphorical limelight. We compare ourselves to our peers, to people who are in the same industry. And if you take yourself facet by facet, it's a really painful comparison because there's always someone who does this particular thing maybe better than you. It's a slippery slope anyway. But then one of my friends once said, we are so fascinated with the idea that we have a talent that we are sometimes forgetting that we are multi-talented. And this was another key to the puzzle because it is not your particular talent that makes you the best in the world. It's the combination of your unique talents that makes you so valuable because the combination is what is unique, not the facet by facet. Welcome to the Menopause Mastery Podcast, a show for
1: women just like you who are ready for more health, vitality, passion, living life with a purpose. I created this show because I knew that women just like me in this second season of life, the season of menopause, are really tapping into their deepest desires. And we're ready to harness our physical and mental health and explore what our true passions are and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what we want out of life. I'm your host, Betty Murray, part geek, part magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking the complex science and making it easier to integrate into daily life. So let's join the journey to make this season the best ever. So I've got a treat for you today on Menopause Mastery. I am speaking to Christina Mand Lacchiani. She is the co-founder of Mind Valley, an international speaker, entrepreneur, artist, philanthropic mother of two, and the newly published author of Becoming Flossom, which is a fabulous book. And she is one of the most powerful life transformation coaches. And Christina's content has touched the lives of tens of thousands of students by providing wisdom, life hacks, healthy habit forming, and building formulas that has been curated and inspired by her 20 years in the personal growth industry. And she's not only created life-changing courses with some of the field leading experts, people like Lisa Nichols, Michael Beckwith, Christina also hones um hosts her own podcast, Honest Conversations, and has interviewed over 200 specialists in the field of psychology and personal development. And so on today's conversation, what we talked about is her upcoming book, Becoming Flossom, and how to embrace our flaws and our true selves and get rid of the toxic perfectionism in our world and the things that actually really permeate our culture. And, you know, she really wants everybody to understand that life needs to be a little less serious and we need to live more authentically. And it's really through this flossom philosophy that she's gonna highlight. Throughout our conversation, and it's really the underpinnings of her book. And I have to say, having read the book, it is amazing and it is full, chock full of actionable items and and opportunities for us to do some inner work that actually makes life easier and more refreshing. It's a very honest and insightful and liberating book. And so I want you to join me today as I talk to Christina and we talk about her lovely book and what you can experience from reading it. So, Christina, so wonderful to have you on Menopause Mastery. So, I always like to find out from my guests a little bit about how we got to where we are today because I think our stories are so amazing. Tell tell my audience cuz you've had you've had a really unique and illustrious career and I want everybody <laughs> to kind
0: of know what you've been up to. Well, I actually don't consider myself incredibly unique. I think I have a pretty uh, <laughs> a pretty relatable story as in uh, you know like a lot of people uh being born a girl uh well actually I was being I, I was born in the 70s so still the time and there was a lot of uh, uh, a lot of conditioning coming with <laughs> with that gender <laughs> conditioning about what you can and what you cannot do so yeah I was born a a girl (laughs) and uh, I studied well I was a perfectionist like so many of uh, of us had my ambitions uh, went full steam ahead for my goals having been a perfectionist and a good girl of course achieved a lot of goals so in that aspect i've done what what pretty much every woman does uh she's doing her best to uh to be her best version so by the age of 40 i had uh a business that I uh, was proud of. I'm a co-founder of Mind Valley. I had a job which was uh, fun, cool, uh, you know, a husband to children, uh, everything by the book, uh, except I was feeling very lost. And I thought that something is missing until I one day realized that the missing, missing piece is myself. So there was this uh, body of mine going through the motions <laughs> without the me inside. So that's, I, I do not know, maybe you wanted uh, a, a little, more a, a little more traditional buyer in that aspect I would say I'm a co-founder of Mind Valley, an artist and author and a writer and a mother of two
1: yes no but actually no I wanted what you just actually said because you know what I found going through my 40s and now into my 50s was that as we go what I think obviously this kind of second season of life I, there is a lot of internal I think disruption that happens because most of the time as women, we're just sort of checklisting, you know, took care of the job, the career, the, you know, what I was supposed to do as a woman. And then you get here and you're like, wait a minute, I don't even know if I know who I am. And I have this greater purpose and I have this stirring inside. And so I love your story because you actually said, okay, I'm going to step away from some of these things that everybody's like, wait a minute, you're doing all of this to really explore your own experience. So talk a little bit about, you know, I I know that you don't like to take yourself too seriously. that You're very much into fun, which I love. Talk about that because I think we're way too serious, particularly in the United States
0: you know well you know what uh and don't take it to the to the dot but i'll I'll share a story which is the fable uh so it's not from my own life but apparently a long time ago it was some of the mongol hans who was uh, you know uh, trying to invade the whole world and he was besieging a city i unfortunately i don't remember the original fable so i don't know the name of this Han, but take any any mongol and, uh ruler so he was besieging the city and he could he would keep sending his uh soldiers to uh you know to loot the city and the soldiers would go come back bring uh, gold jewelry whatever that was there and uh this ruler would send them back uh so they they the soldiers went back they brought back uh, whatever was left you know the the valuables the clothes the 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 food uh, and the ruler asks, so how is the city doing? And the soldiers say, everybody in the city uh, is, is crying and begging us to not to take these things because they say that they have nothing to wear, nothing to eat, and they're hungry and cold. And then the ruler goes, uh, well, go back and take more. Uh, So the soldiers go back, take more, come back, same story, what is the city doing? Apparently everybody's begging, everybody's crying, saying that uh, they they have nothing to eat, they're cold, they're dying. And the ruler keeps sending his soldiers back until uh, one day the soldiers come back, bring whatever there's to bring, and the ruler asks, so what is the city doing? And the soldiers say, it's so strange, everybody's just laughing and joking. And the ruler says, okay, now I know there's nothing left. So... (laughs) Sometimes, you know, humor is the best way to deal with life's adversities. And if we are talking a little bit more seriously than, according to classical psychology, uh, humor is one of the uh, mature coping strategies if you uh, face adversity in life. Humor, together with altruism, actually, uh, together with sublimation and other, other, other mature ways to deal with adversity, but humor is one of them, and that's my favorite.
1: Oh, that's great. That's great. I love that. And I love that story. I've never heard that story before. The the <laughs> fable. That is yeah, that is great. So 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 tell me a little bit. So you've on Mind Valley you had several quests that you have created. And that I think, you know, all the things that you've done in the last couple of years and sort of going inwardly, you've also you're working on a book. So talk a little bit about your your transition into these quests and development and how you came up with the book that you're currently writing mm-hmm. that I believe is coming out this year.
0: Yes, it's coming out in June uh, and uh, it, it will be on the bookshelves in June. Of course, uh, we, we are starting selling it a little before that but uh, talking about the book you know there are so many ways to answer this question because uh, like I said you know when I was born a girl uh, whenever you're born you come with uh, some kind of tutorial which is not a, an actual book but <laughs> but somewhere between the lines we know what we're supposed to do and uh, there are things which we kind of know without ever asking ourselves if we are going to do like uh, these things for example for a lot of women it's uh, getting married and getting children or whatever it is, whatever whatever your society tells you you have to do. So for me, uh, being in the industry of personal growth and transformation and working with a lot of authors, that was a given that I never questioned. Of course, you have to write a book. Everybody does that. So, uh, but that also didn't feel like, um, like, just because I have to, I'll I'll sit down and start writing it. So that was one factor, but then we never do anything just based on one, (laughs) one force that is applied to us. I was doing personal growth and transformation as an entrepreneur and a marketer for about 15 years. And that's a completely different role. I might be in the industry, but I, you know, I didn't teach partially because it wasn't my calling. I didn't feel like I had something to share. And there was such awesome, you know, we work with a Best teachers. It's really hard to step up next to some of the best and say, like, okay, I'm ready, I'll do the same thing. So for 15 years, I never even questioned. But there was a very peculiar thing. I started a business, um, Mind Valley, uh, like a branch in Russian language market. It was 2009. And part of the job, because we had to translate everything, part of the job was actually being this connecting link between the authors and the audience and somehow all of this started rubbing off and I guess that was probably the reason why uh, when I hit 40 and I kind of got jaded with what I was doing for so many years I actually took sabbatical and I felt like I have a message I want to share which is my message which is not a regurgitation which I did in the Russian market but actually something which I have to say so that happened probably with time you sometimes need to to let things mature and for the roots to I mean for the things to take but uh, the final accord to that whole thing was COVID and confinement, and you're sitting at home <laughs> in your most existentialist mood. What the best thing to do? You just sit down and start writing that that book which was coming long, long time. So it's it's all those things together that uh, brought me to the book. But uh, becoming an author was coming a little bit uh, a little bit before that, and and being fond of writing was probably always there. You know, we I I think it's so interesting. We always think that there's this one mission that we have in life, but actually as we go through life it changes and sometimes it changes quite dramatically and there are some things which are always there and then some some decorations change completely absolutely so uh, I, I'm going to make an assumption here but I, you alluded a little bit to it
1: so it sounds like you were able to either get past your imposter sim- syndrome
0: or do it anyway right do it anyway <laughs> you know, I, still, I, I still have it everybody's I think it still yeah. has it <laughs> of course
1: <laughs> so what what do you did you have a particular technique or a thing that you're like okay this is this is a, you know it could be just putting one step and you know foot in front of the other do you have a technique to kind of go okay I'm gonna I'm gonna step over that feeling and just do it anyway do you have something that you that you did maybe a ritual and meditation or
0: yeah it's it's a tough thing because it never goes away I believe and the more you do the more you feel that you are an imposter the more attention you get like we do things for attention and then when we get it we're like oh, what if they'll find me out so <laughs> having worked with so many authors I know that everyone has had at least a moment of imposter syndrome my biggest breakthrough was I think about five years ago I was going on uh, one of the biggest Mind Valley stages of that time in US in LA actually and I was feeling very nervous, because that was very early uh, time in my speaking career, and I was thinking, who am I to go on stage with all these people? The typical thing. And I, I couldn't remember how to breathe, so I was standing uh, outside trying to catch my breath, and then this one woman passes by and she says, she she stops and she says, oh, I, I can't wait for you to speak, because when you speak I feel like uh, you're speaking to me directly, that you, you're you just so relatable. And she, I, I'm still feel, I feel so sad that I never ask her, quite, uh, her name, but she, she she was uh, literally the first person who give, gave me permission to go on stage and be my imperfect self and very often when we go on stage we try to compare ourselves to others whether it's stage or not stage when we're in the limelight whichever met- metaphorical limelight we compare ourselves to our peers to people who are in the same industry and if you take yourself facet by facet it's a really painful uh, comparison because there's always someone who does this particular thing may be better than you it's a slippery slope anyway but then one of my friends once said we are so fast fascinated with the idea that we have a talent that we are sometimes forgetting, that we are multi-talented. And this was another key to the puzzle, uh, because it is not your particular talent that makes you the best in the world. It's a combination of your unique talents that makes you so valuable, because the combination is what is unique, not the facet by facet. And the last thing is what you just said. Of course, you are scared, but you keep doing things. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. I I mean, I just, because I hear it so much in my clinical practice, you know, a a woman will say, I have these dreams, desires and things that I want to do. But, you know, a lot of times I, as a clinical nutritionist, I hear it because they don't like their body. They're like, when my body looks the way I expect it to, then I'll do
0: these things. And I'm like, you got to just step into it. <laughs> just <laughs> it's never step happened. in. You know, we, it's, it, we do that in so many areas. Like, oh, when I when I reach that, then I'll have a child. Oh, when I, you know, when I make my career, then I'll commit to a relationship. We keep doing that. But this is uh, this when then uh, model doesn't work N- in nothing. Uh, uh, we have this wonderful teacher, Sri Kumarau, who says, that this is one of the biggest killers of happiness, this idea that if then, if I achieve this, then I'll be happy. So it's the same. It's the same with everything. You're never there. There's always the more you know, the more you see how you can become better. Perfectionism is the uh, scariest of them all, because you will never reach it. The the better you become, the the further that goal becomes, because now, now your goals are even bigger. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's just not going to happen. Plus to that, I want to add that a statistic says that 80 percent of women do not like what they See in the mirror, eighty percent of women. And another interesting aspect to that is that it has nothing to do with how, to how how much you weigh, what your fitness level is, how you actually look. It's just our self perception. Right, right. And then if we if we have one of those
1: that we made some modest change on, we just find another flaw. Like,
0: because that's our that's our lens we're looking through. I'm looking for my flaws. And if you want to get really scared, then think of uh, all the food disorders or the eating disorders. They all start with that. The more you fall, the more you go, go down this rabbit hole, the bigger the problem. The, the more you work on your fitness level, the less you're uh, satisfied with how you look. Uh, completely. I can tell from my own
1: personal experience, you know, over my 20s and 30s, it was never enough. As soon as you achieved that, Body composition or whatever—it was like I just need a few more pounds or just a little Not bit bad. leaner body. I was like, "What?" You know, now at fifty-three, I'm like, "Okay, what was that?" <laughs> like, that's got to go. So, so I would love for you to share with my audience if you could like two or three things that maybe you did to help with the perfectionism? Because I, I think all of us have some degree of that. And I think it's, again, it's kind of like the imposter syndrome. We're always sort of struggling with some level of that. But but it sounds like
0: that you have, you have done some conscious uncoupling from, <laughs> from perfectionism too. So I'll give a slightly unexpected answer. First of all, I am a perfectionist forever. And a few years ago, I heard this wonderful phrase that uh, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I adopted it for a few years until I realized, that i can't recover from being myself so what i would suggest to do with perfectionist or uh, your impossibly complicated body image for example is to not fight it to just let it be and to learn rather than fight it and try to eradicate it learn to live with it and this is something what we are not used to doing we are told that all those things that we don't like about ourselves we have to fix we have to change we have to eradicate and i want you to be very clear there is this difference between a bad habit which yes, you can uh, give up and something which makes you, you. So perfectionism is something which makes me, me. And that's not the worst flaw that I have, by the way. But since we are talking about perfectionism, let's take it as an example. I can't recover from being me, but what I can do is that I can recognize that yes, I'm perfectionist. So how can I live with this? How can I live with perfectionism? How can I turn it from being my curse into becoming my blessing? How can I learn to not just go around with that perfectionism and, and still function, but how can I actually see it as something that makes me what I am, see the see my unique qualities in it. So yeah, perfection being perfectionist is uh, annoying. But knowing that about myself, I can also say, okay, I'm being, I'm trying to be perfectionist right now. Can we just let it be? Can I stop here? But also because I'm perfectionist, I do, I am very attentive to certain details. I do have a high bar, and that's and that's a good side of perfectionist. So whatever whatever that is that you don't like about yourself, my suggestion is don't fight it. Learn to Deliver this Look that dragon in the face and try to see if you can turn it into a friend. Oh, I love that! I love that.
1: So, so your book, *Becoming Flossom*. Obviously, we can take from the. <laughs> Stop it. So, so t- tell me, so so tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're kind of going into, because you've already talked about the juicy, obviously, embracing your
0: perfectionism and loving it, you know. So tell us a little bit about Becoming Flossom. I do talk about perfectionism a little bit, but I talk about uh people's imperfections in general, because the opposite of perfectionism is not necessarily the flawsome you. Uh, and you know, I, I'm attempting to be flawsome and being perfectionist. I am a little reluctant usually to answer that question for one very simple reason. I believe a book is a journey and uh, I don't like giving spoilers to a journey. So uh, an analogy would be, you know, if you were to start reading Lord of the Rings, would you want to know that the Fellowship of the Rings is going to fall apart in, in book three and so on? <laughs> so, (laughs) So that's why I don't I don't give usually a lot of um, a a lot of spoilers, but uh, it is a it is a journey which I hope that every reader is going to take back to the real to their real selves, being uh, friends with yourself. The real you. Being at peace with your imperfections and embracing your flawsomeness is actually the best gift you could give to yourself and to the world in general. That's awesome. So where do you see yourself going in the next couple of years? I wish I knew. Wow. Well, I have a few projects which will take a few years and book takes longer than I thought. <laughs> and I believe I, I love writing, so I can't wait to start writing something else. On a personal level, I'm building a, a museum for our family, uh, it's a little long story. And I have a farm. I have become a hobby farmer. These two things take a lot of time. Then my kids are growing up. So <laughs> this will probably also bring changes into my life. So there are a lot of things happening. Yeah. Sure.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Who would think that you're definitely a farmer and then the museum? That's great. That is that is that is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> well, what we are going to do is make sure that all of my listeners obviously know about Becoming Flossom and have all the links and everything so we can get your book out there so so everybody can embrace their true selves and I'm so happy to have you on Menopause Mastery.
0: Thank today. you so much for having me and for giving me this opportunity to share. Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much and thank you everybody for listening to Menopause Mastery and of course if you loved the episode give us a review and subscribe and share with a friend so we can all rise. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Menopause Mastery podcast. You are why I'm here and I am so very grateful. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode has helped you in any way, please share it with a friend to spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at PhD, and you can reach me online at BettyMurray.com.